Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start off with a little kind of group participation. Okay, make sure you guys are awake. Uh, all right, a little bit of a riddle, we'll see. Uh, Tuesday, January 4th, mile 83 of a road trip, 19 years old, 31 years old, sophomore year. Can anybody tell me what those, who weren't here in the first service, uh, what those have in common? I'm going to read them again. Tuesday, January 4th, mile 83 of a road trip, 19 years old, 31 years old, and sophomore year. They're all kind of awkward in between stages, right? I saw some, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because think about it, like take Tuesday. It's not Monday, the worst day of the week. Universally, everybody understands is the worst day of the week, but it certainly isn't the weekend. It's just kind of Tuesday. Same thing with 19. When you turn 18, I'm an adult now. When you turn 20, it's a new decade. I'm in my 20s. 21, I get to go to the bar, but 19's like, yeah, okay, 19. But 31's even worse because like all the exciting birthdays are in your past, and now you start counting backwards like I'm 27 again, right? Mile 83, you've already been driving for an hour. All these different things, they are the in-between, the thing that doesn't excite us. And the reality is, we as people, as a society, we're terrified of the in-between, those boring middle-of-the-path methods that we go through. I mean, just look at social media. When social media first started, those of you who can remember this, back of uh, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, uh, we didn't know what to post. We post like pictures of our sandwich. We're like, well, I'm eating lunch. I'm going to the gym. It's because we hadn't learned to lie yet, right? We hadn't learned that you have to lie about something and sensationalize it because that's what gets that precious attention. Rather than just taking a picture of your lunch, you say, This is the best sandwich ever. Or if you go to the gym, I got my personal best. Or conversely, I had the worst experience at the gym today. We sensationalize everything because middle of the road, in between, not interesting. This is why if you turn on a news station, no matter what news station, no matter what time of day, there's something that is breaking news, right? Because something has to be big. Something has to be exciting. We're not good with just, meh, okay. That's why like any president we've ever had, at least in the past couple of decades, is either the greatest president that's ever been and will be the savior of the country or is completely destroying the world as we know it. There is no like, yeah, okay, decent job, I guess. We are so trained to sensation. It even happens with prayer requests. When you ask for prayer requests, people are like, well, I don't, nobody is dying uh, and I don't, didn't win the lottery. So there's not really anything in the middle that I should be praying for. We live in these extremes, but the reality is so much of our life is spent in the in-between. Now, we are in the midst of a sermon series. It seems appropriate that this is the second message of a sermon series. Last week, uh, Pastor Jason talked about God with us, Emmanuel, specifically God with us in the valley in those times where things are not going great. It's not the mountaintop and things are getting kind of tough. This is based on Matthew Chapter 1, verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
Well, today, with the second message, the Tuesday of messages, if you will, we're going to be looking at how God is with us in the wilderness. But before we go into that, let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for the chance to worship you. I pray that we would worship you. I pray that we would be present here. I pray that you would focus our hearts and our minds on you in this moment. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message. And Lord, of course, let it be your message. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak during this time, that it's not me speaking, it's not Tyler speaking, it is the divine speaking. Move me out of the way, Lord, as I submit myself to you. And I pray that all who hear this will be willing to do the same, that we may submit ourselves to your teaching. We pray all these things through your son, Jesus, in his name, amen. Now, biblically, the concept of wilderness is, is common, right? Two of the most popular, most famous examples of people in the wilderness are Israel, wandering in the desert for 40 years, and Jesus, wandering in the desert for 40 days. What's of note there is both of those instances come after fairly momentous occasions, big things that happened in the lives and the story of those people. For Israel, they had just gone through what we now call the Exodus, uh, escaping, being let free, I guess, from the slavery in Egypt. And then they had their mountaintop moment, literally, when God gave them the commandments on Mount Sinai. And now they get to wander in the desert. Same thing happened, Jesus, he was baptized. This is a huge moment in his life because it's the Father and the Holy Spirit coming together with him, proclaiming him, anointing him. He is the Son of God with whom I am well pleased, right? This is all three members of the Trinity in the same place at the same time. And then what happens? He goes out into the desert to wander for 40 days. And while he's there, he's tempted by Satan. And it's worth noting what the temptations are because what Satan is saying is, hey, this is kind of boring, isn't it? What if something big happened? What if something exciting? What if you proclaimed yourself the king of the world? That'd be pretty exciting. What if you jumped off this thing and angels would catch you? That'd be pretty exciting. We're so afraid of the in-between that Satan tried to use it to tempt Jesus. Now, this concept of the in-between, the wilderness following the mountaintop moment, that happens in our lives too, right? Oh, he finally proposed. I've been waiting so long. Well, now you have to wait for the wedding. And then the wedding happens, and it's a big deal, and there's song and dance and flowers, and now what? The marriage. <laughs> for the rest of your lives, you gotta like be with this person all the time, right? The same thing, a promotion. You've been hoping for a promotion for months, for years, and you finally get it, and well, now I gotta do the job, <laughs> right? We have these things that the kids finally got into the school that you were hoping they'd get into. Now you get to wake up every morning and take them there. Or they finally are off to college and you're an empty nester and adjusting to that new life. So often our lives have these big momentous occasions, these mountaintop exciting things that, that captivate us, that make for a great story, followed by a period of wandering. Sometimes that wandering, that wilderness, is because we're holding back on making a decision. Maybe you've been in a relationship for a long time and he's not committing and you're thinking, well, what's the end goal here? Do we need to break up? Maybe you're in a job that you hate and you're saying, do I need to step away and take a step into the unknown and, and go into the wilderness? Maybe I'm in the wilderness now. Maybe you're renting your apartment and you're thinking, this is fine, but I'm not building up equity. Should I buy a house? Dan, what do you think? Should people buy a house right now? I thought so. Um, <laughs> 
not in this economy. Uh, <laughs> you have these moments where you're kind of in the wilderness. You're in this crossroads. You're trying to figure out what the next thing is. We spend so much of our lives in the wilderness, and it eats at us. It wears us down. Let's take a look at another example of the wilderness in Scripture. It's actually our Old Testament reading uh, where it talks about Elijah, one of the most significant prophets in the history of mankind. He was one of the ones that they raised up as heavily influential. And at this point, he's just confronted a number of priests, false prophets of Baal, and God literally rained fire down from the heavens and proclaimed this amazing thing, a tremendous victory for God and a great day for Elijah. But because of this, Elijah has ticked off the king, Ahab. Now, incidentally, he'd been ticking off this king, Ahab, for quite some time. It isn't until Ahab's wife, Jezebel, gets involved that suddenly we see that Elijah's afraid for his life because he knows it's all well and good to get the, mad, the man mad, but when his wife gets mad, ooh, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? And he literally runs for his life. He runs so far as it talks about Beersheba, it talks about these different regions. He runs about 100 miles by foot. This is pre-Uber. This is pre-trains and all that. He's on foot. Basically, that's from where we sit right now to Beaumont, Texas. He runs that whole way. And he gets there and he sits down under a broom bush and God comes and speaks to him. And then he goes to another place and God comes and speaks to him. And then he finds himself in a cave. And eventually he just says, hey, God, I'm done. I've been in the wilderness so long. I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to do the right thing. I'm done. Literally tells God just in my life, I'm so exhausted. The wilderness tends to do that to you. The wilderness wears us out, the monotony, the ongoing struggle of every single day. If somebody asks you, hey, how you doing? You're either going to respond with the road, I'm fine, how are you doing, right? You're just not even thinking about it, right? Or maybe, as is the case of so many people that I encounter, you're going to say one of two things, busy or tired, right? Especially this time of year. Oh, I'm just so busy, so busy. How you doing? I'm so tired, I'm so tired. Because the world that we live in is exhausting. The in-between, the wilderness that we so often exist in just wears us down. Because see, here's the thing. We're so afraid of the in-between. We're so afraid of the wilderness that we're trying to make every single day something exciting. We're trying to make every single interaction something worthwhile. We're trying to achieve perfection in every single thing that we do. If only I was skinnier, if only I was smarter, if only I had more money, if only I had a house, if I had a better house, if I had the right partner. All these things that we're chasing after and they're all unattainable because you're trying to reach this concept of better perfect that each day has to be more perfect than the last, that's impossible. You have to see that, right? And yet that's what the world tells us. We're constantly striving for something more and it's exhausting. I remember when I was younger, we went to Hawaii, my family did, and, and as we're driving, we were passing by kind of this big lava field and we could see a plume of steam off where the, the lava was hitting the ocean. We're like, oh, we gotta see that. So we parked the car and we start trekking out across this dry field of lava. See, the thing is, when it's all flat and there's no landmarks, you can't tell how far that is. And so we just kept 
walking and clamming and crawling and trying to get him. We're like, I think it's actually further away. How is this possible? That is far too often our lives. We see something off in the distance that we say, if only I had that, things would be better. If only I experienced that. If only I reached this number in my bank account. If only my kids were this well-behaved. If only I had this at my house. If only I had that job. But that is so far on the horizon that we're just climbing along and we're so afraid of living in the wilderness. I'm guilty of this as a pastor. I sit in worship, a time where, where we should be, be thinking about God. I pray that God focuses our hearts and minds every single week, but I'm not focused. I'm thinking about all the things that have gone wrong. I'm thinking every time my mic pops. I'm thinking about jokes that didn't land. I'm thinking about that one time I pronounced it pecan instead of pecan. <laughs> anyway, I get so caught up in this that I, I start to lose sight of what we're doing here. I start to think like, if only the church was bigger, if only the church had more influence in society, I'm trying to attain this perfection that it's just not gonna happen. Instead, let, let's be where we are. Let's recognize that God is with us. Be authentically genuine in this moment. Feel the emotion. Recognize that we are in the presence of God. It doesn't matter how many people are sitting in the pews. God's here. And that matters. See, we as Christians know that God is with us. And we know that he is with us in the wilderness as we struggle along. As we continue along on the Tuesdays, of this world, as we find ourselves exhausted, I'm reminded of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. I will lack nothing. When I'm relying on God, there is nothing that I will need, is what that's saying. It goes on to say, he restores my soul. My friends, it's far too often when we say we're tired, oh, we don't mean we need a nap. We don't mean we need an extra hour of sleep or we just need to sit down for a minute. No, we are tired to our very core. Our soul, our spirit is exhausted. So the question is, when's the last time that you let God restore your soul? When's the last time you were just present with God? God implores with us. God urges us, be still and know that I am God. I'm in control and you're not. I am with you. You don't have to keep striving. You don't have to keep pushing. You don't have to keep exhausting yourself. Just trust that God knows what he is doing. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, listen, I've tried. I've tried talking to God. He hasn't sent me any signs. I haven't seen any big miraculous moments. Where is God in all this? Why doesn't God talk to me? Well, we see if we were to keep going in our Old Testament reading all the way to verse 12, um, it says this. So after Elijah has said, God, I'm tired. I'm done. I got nothing left. And God says, no, 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 eat this, right? I love the fact that God doesn't throw a sermon at him. He does not like, well, here's your, your three steps. They all start with the letter P and keep going and you'll be fine. No, he says, take a rest, eat something, buddy, and then keep going. But after that, finally, when Elijah has had enough, it says, the Lord said, go and stand out on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God is there in the gentle whisper. God calls you in. Because when somebody's whispering, you find yourself getting closer. God is close. He's been there with you the whole time. Now, the world will shout. The world will scream. The world will point a finger at you and say, you're not good enough. The world will lie to you and shout as loud as it can that, hey, you're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You don't have the right kind of family. You don't look the right way. You don't act the right way. You don't sound the right way. You don't dress the right way. The world will shout and scream because guess what? It doesn't care who hears. But God pulls you in closer and whispers, I love you. I made you and I don't make mistakes. I know that there is sin, but I forgive you. I love you and I love all people. I'm with you. God is close. He's urging you to keep going. He wants to restore your soul. God is with us. See, that's the reality of being a Christian. We recognize Emmanuel, God with us. And not with us in some big bombastic way. That's what the people, when they encounter Jesus, that's what they were expecting. They were expecting a soldier or a king or some great prophet that did amazing things. No, instead they got a humble carpenter's boy. We got Emmanuel who entered into our world, who was born in a manger. We have a God who whispers. And so I don't know where you are in the wilderness, but know this, you're not alone. You're not alone as you wander. You're not alone as you fake the amazing things or the terrible things that are happening in your life. You're not alone. On top of the fact that God is with you because he is, look around because everybody else is there with you. If we're being honest about our lives, so many of us are in the in-between. And if we would just be strong enough to be weak, if we would just be bold enough to share our vulnerabilities, we would see that God has given us a community. You're not alone. God is with all of us. So my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as you wander through the wilderness of this Christmas season, as you are tempted to listen to the to-do lists and to make sure that the present is just right and the, the house is decorated just right, and oh, the neighbors decorated their house more, so now I have to buy more decorations and a bigger Santa Claus, and I, oh, now I have to buy this, and my own, oh, my sister's hosting it this year, so I gotta make sure, no. Take a break, breathe, and let God restore your soul. What is this all about? Emmanuel, God with us. God loves you. He knows you. You don't have to hide anything from him. He knows you, and he is with you through it all. Let us... Stand in that as we go through the wilderness, knowing that, that we can take another step, that we can keep going, that we're not alone.
God with us. Amen.